Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. Scripture reading comes from Philippians 3, 12 through 16. It's not that I have already reached this goal or have already been perfected, but I pursue it so that I may grab hold of it because Christ grabbed hold of me for just this purpose. Brothers and sisters, I myself don't think I've reached it, but I do this one thing. I forget about the things behind me and reach out for the things ahead of me. The goal I pursue is the prize of God's upward call in Christ Jesus. So all of us who are spiritually mature should think this way, and if anyone thinks differently, God will reveal it to him or her. Only let's live in the way that is consistent with whatever level we have reached. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we are deep in Lent. In fact, we are closer to Easter than we are not. And so if you see a little peaking of a sunrise out on the horizon, that's good. We're getting close. In the midst of our sermon series, we've been talking about those things that we have to let go of so as to journey to the heart of God. That not everything we carry with us can be carried down that road. And so we've started by talking about letting go of preferences and comfort, uh, being able to, to kind of pick those things and enjoy them. We've talked about letting go of uh, being right. We've talked about letting go of pride, about recognizing that our credentials or our accomplishments are just that. They're not everything, but they are something. And then today we talk about letting go of the past, uh, letting go of those stories and events that have held us back in many different ways. Letting go of past is a conversation of moving from hurt to hope. Now, uh, I am obviously not an elephant trainer, uh, but one of those preacher stories that I've heard over and over again is if you talk to someone in the circus community, someone who's responsible for training an elephant from a young age, from birth all the way up to an adult, that one of the things that's known about elephants is that they have great, what, memory, right? They have great memory. And so one of the things that a trainer will do is uh, when the elephant is just first beginning to stand, they'll put a chain around one leg and uh, attach it to a stake that's driven into the ground. As a young, um, young adolescent or young uh, child uh, elephant, uh, that elephant doesn't have the power or the strength to pull that stake out. Now you and I both know that when that elephant is an adult, most likely there is little that will be able to hold it back. Um, that that a, a chain is nothing, a stake is nothing. As the elephant grows, uh, it continues to have this experience where it, it will try to wander away from the stake and the chain and get stuck. And so it gets to the point where it will only go as far as it's allowed to go away from the stake. Now here's the trick. The elephant trainer, as, it get, as the elephant gets older, will actually remove the chain from the stake, pull up the stake, and just leave the chain around one leg. 
And you and I both know that the elephant is tethered to nothing. But the elephant remembers. Remembers that experience of trying to get away from the chain and getting stuck. You see, the elephant's memory is so powerful that it will never test that chain after testing it first. That it knows it's there. It knows it limits it. And so even as a full-grown adult bull elephant, it can be held back by the presence of a chain. What I wonder about today is what are you chained to? What is it back in your past, uh, part of your story, that long ago had no power over you, but you continue to walk as if it's got you chained? When we look at our um, sermon series today, it's really built around Lent being a time to move closer to God. It's a time of preparation as we head towards Easter. And to move closer to God, we believe that we have to uh, let go of some things, leave some things behind. Now, I like to think that everybody has this experience. Maybe it's just me. But do you, do you remember that one thing, that one event, that one story, that one chapter or season in your life where everything changed? I mean everything. Everything changed. And you remember from that moment, you remember before it, and you remember after it, and you can clearly see the differences between the two. What is that story? It could be a, a death of a grandparent. It could be um, a divorce, a, a loss of a job. Um, it could be um, losing out on a scholarship. It could be uh, moving uh, to a new place from your childhood home. What is the story? That painful story that kind of lets you know that the world is, is, is hard and that it has hard edges and that when we bump up against life's hard edges, it hurts and changes us. Well, I can tell you the story for me. Uh, I remember um, as um, uh, an ordained, just recently ordained elder in the United Methodist Church. I'd only been in ministry for about a year. I was, you know, maybe what, 25. I remember my dad calling me. Mom and dad lived up in the woodlands. Um, dad said, come on up, son. We've got some things we want to tell you. And so I showed up and found myself standing in the childhood kitchen of my childhood home in the woodlands. And mom was on one side of the kitchen and dad was on the other. And the reality was is that they didn't have much of anything to tell me. What they wanted was for me to be present. When essentially they realized they were going to have a divorce. Dad came clean on some lies that he had been handling for a number of years. And, and my mom looked at him, and in one of those clear moments of differentiation, she said, I want a divorce. And he said, but maybe can we? And she said, I'd love for you to have your things out by the end of the week. He said, there was no message for me in all of this, except that I had a ringside seat to my, the crumbling of my parents' divorce. And I want to say that for, for years, that really was the before and the after. That I could remember to the time before the divorce, and I could remember the time after the divorce, and I could tell you the differences that were there. 
I remember how um, strange it was uh, to tell uh, friends that I'd known from childhood that my parents were divorced. I could remember uh, you know, the challenges of going through a box of stuff that uh, had been in the house but it's no longer able to be in the house because they were gonna sell it. And I remember driving by that house regularly at 15 Star Pine Court. I could tell you how things were so good before and how they weren't anymore. Can you connect to that story that there, there's an event, there's a time, there's something. And before that, it was good. And after that, it's changed. I don't know about you, but sometimes when we encounter those stories, the stories really take over our heart and our feelings. I mean, we could be 15 years away from it, but we can put ourselves right back in that place and feel all the feelings that was there. It's hard sometimes to walk away from that past experience, to be able to put distance between ourselves and it. It seems as if it wells up inside of us so easily and so quickly. Paul talks about this in Philippians. He says, brothers and sisters, I myself don't think I've reached it, but I do this one thing. I forget about the things behind me and I reach out for the things ahead of me. I really liked Pastor LM's uh, comment about the most important thing about running in a race is what? Don't look back. Don't look back. I, I can remember uh, running um, in those um, really enjoyable um, fun days where everybody come out on a Saturday to the elementary school and you do all those president's uh, fitness uh, events, right? And oh, I love to run in the race, right? And they, it'd be a line of people and they'd call and you'd run. But see, I'd get ahead, I know that's a surprise, no laughter. <laughs> I'd get ahead and then I'd start looking back because I wanted to celebrate the win before I'd won. There's that strange thing when you start looking backwards, you start not running straight. And now the goal line is so much farther for me because I'm not looking where I'm supposed to be looking. I forget about the things behind me. But you know, that's really easy to say, right? I mean, if you had told me 15, 20 years ago, I've got a solution for how you can let go of the past, I'd have given you a million dollars, right? I mean, this is one of those nuts that if we could crack, what a powerful thing it would be in our lives. We talk about this in church growth and in ministry, um, that folk come to church kind of in two different camps. Uh, they come for one camp uh, because it's time for discipleship and they are ready to continue the work that they have done in other churches here. They wanna grow in grace, they wanna learn in spirituality, uh, they want to get closer to Jesus. But there's another half, the other half they're coming because uh, of one of the four Ds. And they're really not just four, there's more than four. That last one, disorder, well, it could be just about anything. It could be moving, it could be um, you know, getting evicted, it could be losing your job, it could be any number of things. But when we think about those things that disrupt our lives, we find ourselves in the church trying to put the pieces back together. Those four Ds can be a powerful experience. Now I know probably for most of you, you're all here for discipleship and no one's wounded, right? And, and the, you don't suffer from the four Ds at all. No laughter, wow, early service laughed. They thought that was, it was either nervousness or, or laughter, I'm not sure which it was, right? Well, let's talk a little bit. What does it look like to let go of the past? I'll be really simple with you. Letting go of the past is a matter of setting it free. 
You see, when, when that story is inside of us and we carry it around with us, we don't really know what to do. And every time we think about it, the emotions swell up, the moment, and we're right there. And we just don't know what to do. I, I experience this often when people come to my office asking about how to forgive or, or how to move beyond something. And I say really simply, write a letter to God. And people say, write a letter to who? I said, to God. And they say, well, where are we supposed to send that letter? And I say, it's okay, send it to me. Send it to me, address it to the church, and write on the back of it, letter to God. And I'll make you a promise. I'm not going to read it, because I know that as you wrote it, God read it, and I'll shred it. But here's that spiritual, emotional process, that when we get it outside of our bodies, when we write it as a letter to God, when we pray it out loud to God, God is good to take that from us and start setting us free so that we're no longer chained by the chain that has no power over us, but rather we are living in the future that God's called. Now you notice that there's three options, right? Now you can make this list as long as you want to. The second option is yelling it out. And I, I say, you know, everybody go to school, everybody go to work, you're left at home, go, go into your room, shut the door if necessary, go to your closet. I mean, it depends on how loud, right? <laughs> You just want to be clear on that and, and just yell. And, and you say, well, what do you yell? Do you yell at the person that did you wrong? Do you yell at, at, what, at yourself at how you could have done better? I say, no, lift up your voice as loud as possible and cry out to God and say, God, rescue me. God, set me free. God, reach down and grab me with your arms and carry me because at the moment I am captured by something that won't let me go. I believe the truth of the matter is that God's willing to hold us, to love us, and to take care of us. I also believe talking it out is a good idea. Now, um, if you're an extrovert, this is really helpful. If You know the difference between extroverts and introverts, right? Extroverts don't know what they think until they say it. Do I need to say that one again? Did you get it? Introverts don't say anything until they know what they think. I'll tell you, there's, there's an extrovert and an introvert on your staff. One of them's Kate and one of them's me. I'll let you figure out which one's which. <laughs> but talking it out. I really do believe that the beginning of the medieval practice in the Catholic Church of going to confessional was really about having a social relational connection with somebody who could hear about the things that have held you back and speak words of forgiveness over you. That the ability to tell somebody the story. I can remember 10 years after my parents' divorce, sitting with a colleague and saying, I cannot believe all of this happened to me. And he looked at me and said, really? Really? 10 years ago, decisions that your parents made, you're gonna allow them to keep you from being who God's called you to be? What an amazing amount of power, Peter, you've given to that chain that's connected to nothing. You see, talking it out is a powerful opportunity to hear from someone else. And I would say in some ways, to hear from God through our friends. It's a matter of setting it free. Now, I want to be uh, clear. Um, I feel like it's really important not to load you up for a bear, send you out into the world, only for you to find that there's not just bears, but lions and tigers as well out there. So let's be honest. Not everything that we need to be set free from is easily done alone. 
I believe the importance of therapists, spiritual directors, pastors, Stephen ministers, that, that John Wesley said that the, um, that the New Testament knows no solo experience of the gospel, that we're not an I in the church, we're a we. And so be careful what you go alone on. Be careful when you set out. Uh, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. I know that only speaks to boomers and older, but I'm not giving it up. So let's look at an image around, what does it look like not to do these things alone? Let's see, is it, yeah, okay. Paul says in Philippians, I pursue it so that I may grab hold of it because Christ grabbed hold of me for just this purpose. You see, we've so decided that God is watching for us to perform like we're supposed to. Almost like a, a father who's watched over his son, trained for the Olympics day in and day out every year of his life. And he gets to the place and the moment where he's gonna succeed. Notice that, that the father doesn't stay in the stands and, and look down on the son, but that Derek Redmond's father comes and walks with him. I, I love the gesture of this, right? Get those people out of my way. This is my son. I will walk with him to the finish line. You see, we're not having to do this alone. That God isn't holding our past against us. I, I got to tell you that the day that I gave up, that I let go of my past, was the day I decided to delete from my online calendar a yearly reminder of the day that my dad had invited me to go to the woodlands to listen to my parents have their divorce. I kept that for 10 years. Every year when that day would come around, I would see that in the morning and remember that that was the day, the day between before and after, that was the day that made the difference. The day I deleted that, I got to be a new creation. When we look at scripture, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, so then if anyone is in Christ, that person is part of the new creation. The old things have gone away. And look, new things have arrived. I know you and I think of our past and we feel like we are defined by it. But in God's eyes, we are defined of what yet can be. As we head towards Easter, we'll go through uh, Holy Week. And in Holy Week, we'll remember the story of how um, Jesus was uh, persecuted, arrested, um, nailed to a cross, and died on the third day. Can you imagine what it was like to be the disciples during those three days? Man, we, we gave three years of our lives, and now he's dead. What do we do now? But see, God's in the business of taking things that are lost, broken, and dead, things that you think have no future, and breathing life into it. We call it resurrection. So though letting go of past seems like a strange, difficult accomplishment, it's what God's in the business of, making new creations like you and like me.
Remember to move forward with God. What past will you leave behind? And know that you don't have to do it alone. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.